You didn't tell me you were a reverend, said the woman as she walked back into the exam room. We'll call her Joanne. I didn't know I should have, I playfully retorted. And we didn't get back to that until later when I brought up the issue again and wondered aloud where she had grown up in church or whether she had. And that little bit of an open door was all she needed. Yes, she had. Yes, she believes in God and knows that he's always there for her. She talks to him all the time, but lately she's been wondering whether he hears her prayers. Is that familiar? The conversation reminded me of Quaker scholar Douglas Steer's comment about answered prayer. Steer says, the appropriate question in wondering whether your prayer has been answered is not, did you get what you want, but did you yield? Did you yield? Did Philip yield? He did. An angel of the Lord, some sort of messenger from God, spoke to Philip, get up and go. And Philip got up and went. Luke, who's the author both of his gospel and the book of Acts, tells us what Philip found on that wilderness road. An Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury, He had come to Jerusalem to worship, so he was already a Jew, and then was returning home to Ethiopia. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And so with these multiple clues, Lou describes this nameless African man as a trusted, well-regarded, well-educated, very responsible, and very wealthy African. He travels by chariot. He has his own scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He can read. But as we all know, reading and understanding do not always go hand in hand. I know I'm not the only one who has read a paragraph and reread the paragraph and reread the paragraph trying to understand okay, exactly what it is this author is trying to say. Philip was again listening for the Spirit, and he was on the road, but not to the chariot yet. And so he heard the Spirit say to him, go over to this chariot and join him. And it's almost a humorous picture if you think about Philip running up beside the chariot and huffing and puffing as he's asking the man inside, do you understand what you're reading? (sighs) And the eunuch replies, how can I unless someone guides me? And that's, that's a very vulnerable response. Most of us want to know everything. We, don't, you know, we want to have the specific answers. But here somebody is admitting that he doesn't understand everything. I admire that. And I, I think that's one of the good things about this church, too, is that questions are invited. We don't have to know all these answers. How can I unless someone guides me? And Philip invites the man into conversation, and the man responds by inviting him to come into the chariot and sit with him. And they talk through this passage from Isaiah. 
one of the suffering servant passages that many have taken to be directed towards Jesus Christ. And so picture these two, very different, as Diane was describing well in our children's message, one from the Middle East, one from Africa, one with wealth and might, the other with simple faith and an attentive heart, one wealthy and traveling in style, the other running on foot, one with knowledge but still questioning, the other with knowledge and experience and a willingness to offer that to the other. Barbara Brown Taylor compares it to a modern-day diplomat in Washington, D.C., inviting a street preacher to join him in his late-model Lexus for a Bible study. Both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch yielded to the divine opportunity that was before them, knowing that they would be taking each other's time, that they would be spending time together. Of course, Philip had to respond, how can I unless someone guides me? Philip could have just said, oh yeah, you're right, too bad. But of course, he didn't do that. He listened to the Spirit, he got in and walked with or or rode with the man, and they talked, and he opened to him the prophets and all this information about Jesus. We don't know what he said. We don't know what their conversation was. But what we do know is that these two men who were strangers came together and shared a holy moment. A holy, who knows how many moments. Hospitality is one of the themes that I see in this text. Because Philip was hospitable to both the spirit and also the eunuch, and the eunuch was hospitable to Philip. I read a story by Ed Galbraith, and he was, he's a, um, an African-American man and had just gone into the ministry, for, had been in the ministry for a few years when someone asked him, a, a white minister, Christian leader, asked him to go to lunch. And as they were sitting down to eat, all of a sudden, this white minister started crying, and he explained that God had blessed him. His children were healthy. He was known throughout the country. But he said, I've had a hard time sleeping throughout the night. And Ed said he was thinking to himself, why is he telling me this? I'm not a therapist. But the man continued that he had just come back from an annual conference on the other side of the country, and they were discussing cross-cultural reconciliation and ministry. And usually, the man said, when black leaders come into the meeting, we make them feel right at home and let them be part of the decision-making process. But, to be honest with you, the decisions are made before your leaders even get there. When the jokes were going on and the people were saying things, it didn't sound right to me. And Ed responded, no, wait, the leader concluded, how can I get over this? How can we be friends? And Ed responded with what seemed like a strange question at first. Do you like football? And he seemed puzzled, but he said, yes, I do. And so did Ed. And he used to coach high school and college ball. And he has a lot of friends who play. And 
So they love a good game. They lo- both love to cook out. And here's what we can do. I need to get to know you. You need to get to know me. Why don't you come over to my house? Ed notes that he was the only black person in his mostly in his white suburban neighborhood. And he said, bring your wife, meet my wife. We'll just sit and talk and get to know each other. And the other guy said, you want me to come to your house? He said, yeah, if you want me to sit here and clear your conscience for all the crap you did, I can't do that. Friendship is not cheap. It takes time and commitment. And so Ed gave him his home phone number, told him to give him a call, and never heard from him again. And that is the opposite of Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality takes commitment. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes vulnerability. And so after whatever time these two men spent in the chariot, the man said, the eunuch said, he looked over and he saw water. And he said, look, what is to prevent me from being baptized? With such good news that he had heard and experienced, the obstacles to God are blasted away like a power washer, blasting away years of scum on the outside of the wall of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. No longer is there anything to prevent him from experiencing the cleansing baptismal waters. No longer is there anything to prevent him from dying to himself and being reborn to Christ. The Spirit of God has been at work in both men to bring about this conversion and this renewal. One of my favorite passages to use in weddings is from Ecclesiastes. It says, If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I use that to talk about how when one of us is alone, then we, don't, we can easily be overpowered. When two strands of a string come together, they're stronger. But when that third cord is God... When that third string is God, it becomes a cord that is just impossible to break. So in this story, the eunuch is at first alone, and the words of Isaiah, without the context of Jesus, didn't paint a full enough picture for him. Philip arrives and offers what he knows and has experienced but not until we recognize the overarching presence and guidance of that third chord, the Spirit of God. And that's when we can find ourselves strong enough to withstand the evil forces of this world and sometimes wait for the answer that we need. A father and his small son were out walking one afternoon when the youngster asked how electricity went through the wires stretched between the telephone poles. I don't know, the dad said. Never knew much about electricity. 
and they kept walking a few more blocks, and the boy asked, what causes lightning and thunder? To tell the truth, said the father, I never exactly understood that myself. And the boy continued asking questions throughout the walk, none of which the father could explain. And finally, as they were almost home, the boy asked, Pop, I hope you don't mind me asking so many questions. And the dad said, of course not. How are you ever going to learn anything? You know, as followers of Christ, sometimes we feel like that father. We go to church, we read the Bible, we pray maybe, so people expect us then to have all the answers. But God is too mysterious for that. Going back to the woman that I was talking with that one day, I'd, she talked about her being passed up for promotion. She talked about how her boyfriend had not lived up to the promises he had made her. And I didn't have answers to help her solve her problems. I wish I did. But like Philip, I could listen I could respond with my experiences, and I could assure her that God was with her and that I would pray for her. And hopefully, that's enough for her, for me, to, like the eunuch, go on our way rejoicing.